pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quaggett Smith. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 23 of the Draft Rugby Podcast, where we discuss Fantasy Super Rugby, the game they play online in heaven. You can find the website at draftrugby.com and get after us on the socials at Draft Rugby. Joining me over Zoom again tonight, I have the lads, Harry and Nelson. How are you both this evening? I'm doing pretty good, mate. I think I'm ready for, for better after so much footy compared to what we're normally used to. I'm, and I'm very good because I look like I might actually win my fantasy footy match up this week. Oh, are you saying, Nelson, are you not looking the same, uh, same way? Or? Oh, we've only got draft scores, so we'll see. Very good. I like it. Nelson, he, he always holds out hope for, to the nth hour, which is fantastic to see. A few yellow uh, cards definitely didn't help me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. Anyway, how good was it having some Aussie footy back? I mean, I, for one, really enjoyed the Aussie footy. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed both Kiwi footy as well, but it was fantastic getting everything back. Some of the best Aussie games I've seen in a long time. For sure. Indeed. All right. Um, on menu on the menu for tonight, we will be reviewing Fantasy Rugby, Fantasy Super Rugby 2.0. I'm going to say Fantasy Super Rugby 2.0 so I don't have to keep saying both Super Rugby Aotearoa and Super Rugby AU um, and because they have differing rounds. Um, so instead, it was Fantasy Super Rugby 2.0 round one. Um, we're going to preview that for Andre for main course. We're going to, sorry, we're going to review that for Andre for main course. We're going to preview round two. And for dessert, we'll just have a, a brief chat on our OG league, um, our OG fantasy league and what happened in our draft and over the weekend and a quick platform update. So let's jump straight in. And for Andre, um, we had Fantasy Super Rugby 2.0 uh, round one, the buys were the Blues and the Force. And in our first game, we had the Reds and the Tars. Harry, take it away. No, I think I'll take this one away. Oh. I was just uh, loved this game to bits. The uh, the Reds took this one out 32 to 26. It was actually four tries to two in this one. In the returns column, we had Brendan Payanga Mosa. Uh, he missed most or didn't get much of game time at the start of the season. He returned after an ankle injury. Hunter Paisami, he returned after his MCL injury. Um, Ned Hannigan, after his ongoing concussion issues. The new injuries, we had Angus Blythe go down pretty early with a concussion. Uh, I think it was a head knock. And Hunter Paisami, he had an ankle injury. Um, which, we saw, which we saw in a photo uh, post-game. Awesome. Nothing's been announced, right? He could have just been yeah. icing his ankle, man. Okay? It didn't mean he's injured. He was icing it after the match. And obviously, that scares all of us because we love him. True. Um, yeah, look, this is awesome. The, the battle of the border is back. Um, the passion, the niggle, the aggression, everything was in this game for me. It was, it was like we were watching Phil Wall versus David Croft back in the day. Um, it, it was just something that had been missing so long in this derby. And the fact that the Reds actually got this done for the first time since 2013 uh, was, was really good. Um, and the youngsters, I mean looked at the red red young players after the match and they were just elated. They were over the moon with the win. So you could see that there was a lot of desire to win there from, from the young guys. Um, but one of the most exciting things for me were some of these big hits. Lockie Swinton put on a bunch of them. He must have been listening to our podcast when we said he needed to do something. And he absolutely pumped Taniela Tupo. 
who was 135 kgs, and he just pumped him. And then he let him know it as well, stood over him and just yelled abuse at him and just that, told him that, how much he smashed him, which is... That's what I loved the most was, was the lip um, okay. that everyone was... So the good. chat was, that was being thrown out. Yeah, it was so good. Uh, one, one slowly dominating, uh, disappointing thing from a Tars fan, Angus Bell looked so solid in the scrum early on in the year. Um, and something was missing in this one. He he really got shown up by Tamiello Tupo. Uh, there was four penalties quite early against Bell in the scrum, leading to a yellow card. Um, Tupo didn't want to be shown up, though, so he decided <laughs> to get his own yellow card and did two late hits on the kickers, which saw him oh, see him had time. Yeah, I think so. But It's just hard to slow down as a big man, all right? When you get running, when you get ahead of steam up, all right? If individually they weren't so bad, but together they were retarded. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the skill execution, this one, I saw a few people sort of saying they didn't think it was that interesting game. The aggression was there, but the skill execution was there was great teams linking up, the players linking up, great counter attack. There was some really slick set piece moves as well, um, like the one that set up the Maddox try, Swinton throwing the ball inside, and, and Maddox looked really, really solid. Um, in, in this match, not only through that, but he was slotting in a 10, a bit like that veal roll as well. Um, but this game, yeah, awesome game. If you haven't watched it, go back and watch it. In terms of match stats, the Reds had 59% of the possession and 42% of the territory, yet the Tars had 472 to 402 run metres. So they were just running that ball nonstop when they got the chance. The Tars made 11 to 5 line breaks, 9 to 1 offloads, they're really throwing that ball around and having some enterprising play. Turnovers, the Reds took this one 8-2 to two, with Fraser McRide in his starting debut getting four to himself, which is freakishly good. Yeah, how, how could you say? Freakishly good. Going up the Wallabies captain. That's yeah. it. Um, Reds' line-out was pretty poor, 74% with 14 from 19, where the Tars was 91% with 10 from 11. Uh, which is something you hope for with uh, a guy that only offers lineouts in Simmons. Um, penalties went nine to the Reds, 18 to the Tars, which really sort of made this game, I, I think, you know, got it, got it out of their reach with just those penalties. Fantasy man of the match was Jack Maddox with 73 points. He had 15 runs for 139 run metres. He bagged himself that try. Three line breaks, two tackle busts, two offloads, and he had a brilliant try saver off a uh, McDermott line break as well, which was was really good to see. Tate McDermott himself got 61 points with a, a quick sneaky, uh, quick tap try. Harry Wilson got 57 points, and Will Harrison he had a pretty brilliant game with his kicking and all around the paddock with 58 points. Yeah, how good was that Tate try where he kind of just calmly walked in as if he wasn't doing anything and then just quick, quick tap and went. It was fantastic. Yeah, love to see from a halfback. Yeah, no, very good. But there was a lot of exciting youngsters in this game, I've got to say. So many yeah. good players to watch. Very exciting. <clears throat> yeah. You're right. And I think, Nelson, you covered it with saying how much it meant to everyone. It looked like a grand final celebration. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it was awesome. All right, Harry, do you want to take us to the next game? Yes, absolutely. So the Highlanders playing under the roof against the Crusaders. Highlanders obviously having a, a, a couple of tough losses or a, a tough loss already last week against the Blues, I think it was. Um, so very good opportunity for them to kind of come back into this one. But 
not to be. They went down 20 to 40 to the Crusaders. Tries uh, two, tri- two tries to five. The Crusaders leading the way. Uh, you had Tom Christie coming back into this game, but there was never any announcement about what injury he had or if he was just being rotated or whatever it was. But he played extremely well, scored a couple of tries himself. Uh, probably not the huge tackle stats that we're used to seeing from him, but otherwise, you know, very, very solid and finished very well twice in the left-hand corner. Um, Josh Dixon had a new injury in this one, looked to have a very serious ankle injury. I think they, they stretched him off in the game as well. And uh, on top of that, David Avili came off with uh, limping off with an ankle injury just to add to his bad run of luck. And Ethan Blackadder as well never took the field. They, they subbed him pre-game for Sione Havili, but uh, we don't know exactly why that was. You can never uh, have enough Havili's on the field. No, and, and having said that, Sione Havili, I thought was really, really good. Yeah, <laughs> so did I, yeah. Well. Um, this one, really interesting. A game of two halves. The first half was really, really tightly fought. Um, I thought the Highlanders were outstanding in controlling the Crusaders, their, their energy and their... Uh, their line defence, their scramble defence was excellent. Aaron Smith looked like a genius at a couple of different points, um, but uh, not to be outdone. I think Will Jordan was clearly just the human highlights reel in this one. Ridiculous that you could probably make a five-minute video of his runs and his impact in a game from this performance alone. Um, he scored a couple of tries himself, set up countless others. <laughs> Um, just constantly broke the line. He's just going from strength to strength. And I think it was all topped off with that uh, icing on the cake, chip and chase at the end of the game where it kind of fell back into his hands and he just accelerated, accelerated away from the pack. Just completely ridiculous, his skill set and his form at the moment. He just does not want to be benched. No, he does not want to be benched. And uh, David Havili obviously knows that he's in for a real fight because I thought Havili was excellent as well. The main difference in this one this week, though, was that uh, David Havili was not able to finish his tries a lot of the time. It looked like the last hurdle, he could have probably set up a couple of tries himself, but kind of threw a couple of passes to ground or, or ended up holding on to it a little bit too long as well. So that's probably the biggest difference between those two guys in this game. Uh, Shannon Frizzell. Another big talking point in this game. I think we were obviously really worried about him um, not being informed, but he scored a, a, a try that he just had absolutely no right to score. Um, busted off a tackle and then ran through three men to score it and then made another 19 tackles himself as well. So huge work rate from him and uh, good to see him playing well two games in a row. And then the final one for me, 53 minutes in, the, uh, the Highlanders were in down a little bit. And Nareki had a three-on-one. All he had to do was pass the ball. Instead, he held it, got hit by Richie Mwanga, turned the ball over, and it should have been seven points. Ended up it was terrible. I a three-point penalty. But I think that was a pretty pivotal moment. It was the only points they scored in the whole second half. So, yeah, uh, yeah huge, huge moment in the game. Crusaders, absolutely dominant in the match stats. They had 64% possession, 67% territory. Uh, 535 run metres to 304. They had 42 tackle busts to 25, 17 line breaks, 17 offloads, just insane. Uh, one thing that stood out to me in this one as well was the uh, tackle success for both teams. The Highlanders 76% and the Crusaders 75%. Pretty average on both sides of the ledger there, um, which you don't see very often from the Crusaders or the Highlanders, to be honest. That was probably all Shannon Frizzell's runs, though. 
That's the Crusaders. <laughs> and missed tackles. And he missed yeah. five as well, on top of his 19 that he made. Uh, <laughs> fantasy man of the match, no surprise. Will Jordan, 94 points. I said he had his two tries. He also had 127 metres from his 14 runs. 10 tackle busts himself, four <laughs> line breaks, breaks, and a couple of offloads as well. Shannon Frizzell, uh, highest for the Highlanders, 66 points on the back of that try. And the Crusaders, you also had Richie Moe on 68 points. Deserved more considering his try-saving tackle, I think. Mm. Back to Douglas, 61 points. Good to see him finally showing the form that we knew he had this this uh, a brief, this second form of the season. Jack Goodhue, 52 points, 16 runs, just as we started to think if maybe he was the non-performer in the outrageous team. Yeah. And Lester Finger and Nuku as well, 50 points himself. So. How good did he look as well? He's going to be hard to leave out. It's, oh, they're all insane. It's spoiled. Spoiled the Crusaders. <laughs> Very good. All right, well, back to the Aussie game. Um, so following that, we had the Brumbies taking on the Rebels in Canberra. The Rebels had got out about a week earlier um, with the uh, coronavirus outbreak in Victoria closing down borders and making it very hard for teams. So the, it was a close game, actually. A uh, lot of surprising things in this one, but the Brumbies ended up taking it out 31-23, to 23, so not quite the whitewash we were expecting. Um, but it, they did end up with five tries to two on the ledger. Um, returning in this one, we had... Uh, sorry, we had no one returning in this one. Um, it was round one for the Zero BAU. But uh, injuries, we had... for Inga looked, looked like he broke his nose. He took a quite a significant front-on head knock. I think it was friendly fire um, to Tom Cusack. But, um, yeah, blood streaming down um, for quite a while after the game. Still had it covered with a towels um so we'll have to watch this space to see if he's returning that will be eager on, uh, on fantasy managers minds uh, rebels really missed uh izzy nasarani and anaru rangi um they're quite pivotal parts of the team although jordan ulisi definitely stepped up finally prince that was promised uh, delivered uh, um on what we've been waiting for uh, uh this was to move hundredth um cap and so he um he was uh, cheered out by the whole of the Canberra, Canberra Stadium, which was good. And um, he looked quite composed in his um, performance for the Rebels. Um, all right, points that were interesting in this one. Uh, the Rebels' scrum was just unbelievable. You wouldn't have guessed it, but they absolutely <clears throat> took it to the Brumbies. And it was had to, a lot to do with the uh, starting tight head, Pony <clears throat> Falmosili. Uh, Falmosili. There you go. Um, huge man who we've talked about before, who's a prop who can also play number eight, um, very mobile and versatile. He did keep trying to um, make pilfer penalties, but he kept getting penalising for penalised for not holding his own body weight. Um, but he was massive in the scrums and was just dismantling the Brumbies. The, the bloke's an absolute beast. But it was it was interesting as well. The the Brumbies, it was a back and forth with the with the forward packs. The Brumbies dominated the the rolling more themselves. They were responsible for three tries off the back of that. Um, some brilliant play off the back of those scrums as well. The Rebels then uh, gave them a dose of their own medicine. We all know that the Brumbies can score a roll, score rolling more try. The Rebels did the same thing from ten meters out, getting all their backs involved uh, to help get it over the line. It's pretty pretty good to see. That's it. And the Brumbies don't get rolling ball tries scored against them. So that was pretty huge seeing, seeing that happen. Uh, Jordan Galisi mm-hmm. was really giving them lip for that um, when he yeah. dotted down for that. 
Um, for this one, I think it was interesting. The Rebels are normally let down by their forward pack. It's their backs that uh, they normally have these all-star backs. But um, this game, it kind of felt the other way around. Their forwards really pulled above their weight. And their backs just couldn't seem to get the ball out to Kellaway or Corribidi. They kind of didn't really see them feature very much in this game. Um, Dane Halepetti eventually <clears> got <throat> it down for a try. But, um, yeah, it was just... I don't know, the, the Rebels' backs just couldn't quite get it together. Um, yeah, I think that the Brumbies had people all over the paddock that were stepping up for them, and, and obviously that's pretty going to be the, the difference in this one. Brumbies, they had Falau Fyanga standing up, usual suspects, Joe Powell, Noel Alessio, but it was interesting, Mac Hansen, I think he really came into his own in that second half, and he was just busting tackers at will. I think he knows there's, a, there's someone pretty good, Tom Banks waiting waiting in the, the ranks to come back through after his injury, so it was pretty interesting to see. He did. He really he grew in confidence in that second half, and he just um, attacked at will, and just um, I thought he was brilliant. But um, yeah, going into the match stats on this one, possession and territory pretty even. Um, the meters, the Brumbies, four hundred twenty-two to two seventy-one. So they definitely smacked them there, but not as much as as they did in the tackle bus, twenty-seven to nine. Huge difference there. Uh, line breaks, eleven to two, um, and offloads. The Rebels had four to one. Um, tackle success, Brumbies 93%, Rebels 77%. That tells a lot of the story. That's why those tries got through. Uh, penalties, a lot of penalties. Uh, we mentioned the scrums. I think, yeah, very early on, the Rebels had forced something like six scrum penalties. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, but um, no, just not enough tank, uh, in the tank. The Brumbies kind of just more composed, eventually got themselves together after a strong Rebels start. But um, yeah, the Rebels, usual story. Couldn't bring it back in. Uh, to the end of the game. Yep. So, next one. Fantasy man of the match, Joey Powell. Oh. Yeah, thank 52, you. Uh, 54 points for him. I thought he had an outstanding game. Uh, he had a, a try off the back of one of those rolling moors where he da- took a dart himself. A try assist, an offload, a clean break. <laughs> made his usual mammoth amount of passes, 67 passes. Uh, and just looked good all around the park. So, really, really impressed with him. Noel Alessio uh, was closely in behind and was the actual man of the match, I believe, at the, uh, at the game as well. 51 points from him, played quite well. A few and gun runs Mueller, from him. Muirhead scored 50 <laughs> points on the back of that awesome first try two minutes into the game. Uh, one of the slickest set-piece tries I've seen from the lineup for some time. Just brilliantly played everything from uh, Alan Alatoa to holding the man back to the inside ball from Falau Fainga. Just awesome. Yeah, dummy, um, run, dummy runner line from uh, TK and then brilliant inside pass from Falau, yeah. So good. And uh, the highest was Jordan Ulisi, 43 points for the Rebels. Excellent. All right. Uh, last game for the round was the Chiefs and the Hurricanes on Sunday. Chiefs took... Uh, did not win this one. They went down 18 to 25, two teams that were desperate for their first win of Super Rugby Aotearoa. Um, returning in this one, we had Tupo Vai from the uh, the Chiefs' young lock, returning from an illness. Uh, Solomon Alavalo returning also from some illness. And we couldn't have been keen enough to see him back on the field. Jordy Barrett's coming back from his shoulder injury that... Um, Harry Nelson had diagnosed as difficult to say when he was going to come back, but uh, he looked he looked fire and he did not look like he was shying away from any contact. Um, so he looks great. Uh, injuries in this one. So uh, not not a very important man for the Chiefs at all, but um, Anton Leonard-Brown, he was um, pulled midweek with concussion. So um, <clears throat> yeah, that was 
pretty significant loss for them. Uh, Natoya Akoi, uh, concussion as well in the game. He got KO'd. He got knocked the hell out. 100%. Man, he did not know where he was. Um, I think he I think he did pass his concussion test post-game. But... Um, yeah, that, he was walking around and healthy. I don't yeah. know if he passed his test, though. Oh, yeah, I don't think he did. Sorry, that's right. He looked he looked all right after the game, but uh, he didn't didn't pass the test to continue playing during the game. That's right. Um, and then Fraser Armstrong, he had a knee, what looked like a knee injury. He he went down a few times and then eventually couldn't carry on. And um, Scotty Scraft in a uh, old mate getting the double yellows and then the red card. So um, it's very. Some will say it was soft. Uh, what ended up in a red card, but look, it was you know, repeated <clears throat> infringements. He just was unlucky. Um, all right, Jordy Barrett, mate, he was back. His boot is insane. Um, obviously, the talking point is the 60-odd metre penalty goal he took just before half-time, which he nailed. But apart from that, I mean, 12 minutes in, he, he attempted a drop goal from 48 metres out. He was just like, why not? i got the time and space. He sent it flying. He did miss. but in um, the distance. Oh, yeah, it was crazy. Um, but otherwise, just the difference it made for territory, like his even territory and for um, penalties. When he was kicking to move them downfield for a line-out, mate, he was rocketing it down, you know, 50, 60 metres into the corner. But I, I reckon as a playmaker as well, he took so much pressure off Garden Basher, but basically didn't matter who was playing 10. He just <clears> I agree. In. He was awesome. Yeah, no, he's he makes a massive difference in that team. Um, so Throwing. good to see him him back and firing. Yeah. Um, yeah, Reed Princip, uh, <laughs> Harry's like, shut up a lot of people by making 21 tackles. He's the, he's the, what do we call him? The B-grade Vetu Douglas workman of um, the Hurricanes. So he gets through a lot of work, um, but would you pick him in your fantasy team slash care about him at all? Not really. Um, if he's making 21 tackles, you would. Yeah. Well, all right. Maybe in your fantasy team, Nels. So I like to win fantasy, but um, look, moving on. Um, D-Mac, uh, fantastic. Oh, yeah. How good was that cover tackle on Ben Lamb? Wow. One-on-one, sprinting across, took him um, without... I mean, Ben Lamb is not an easy man to stop, and D-Mac, absolutely tri-saver. Fantastic. Heaps of penalties in this one. Lots of offside penalties. So apart from the breakdown, they're really cracking down on the offside line, just really forcing players to take that step back. Um, they've really decided that's important. Uh, the Chiefs just unable to kind of create anything, it seemed like. Um, we talked about DMAC running the ball a bit more. Alamalo, when he came on um, in the second, he certainly started getting involved. I think he took like a, it wasn't a pick and drive, but he took a forward hit up. The minute he got on, he just wanted the ball in hand. Um, but yeah, they just, just seemed, the Hurricanes defense was fantastic throughout this game. Um, but they just seemed unable to come up with any answers, the Chiefs. Um, I think the, the telling stat for me um, was the amount of tackles. You know, the Chiefs made 95 tackles in this game. The Hurricanes made 170. Um, it's crazy. Uh, last points from this one for me was TJ Perinara. Um, he played 10 for the last 20 minutes. So he's kind of really slotting into that. We've mentioned that before. But, um, they must have lost all confidence in Fletcher Smith. Yeah, I know. Who did they have on the bench? Um, I forget. They had two, they had two backs. They've, I can't remember. I'll check. Very good. All right. Well, the match stats. Uh, Chiefs had fifty-eight percent possession and sixty-three percent territory. It was it was theirs to to lose. Their, the run meters they topped that five hundred seventeen, <clears throat> four hundred four. They had less tackle bus though, twenty-two to twenty-eight, but plenty of tackle bus in this one. 
Hurricanes also had more line breaks, 15 to the Chiefs, 11. Chiefs had more turnovers, 10 to 8. Uh, sorry, more offloads, 10 to 8. Um, and the, uh, the, the Achilles heel was the Chiefs conceded 16 turnovers to the Hurricanes, 8. So they conceded double the amount of turnovers. Uh, the Chiefs won 17 lineouts, um, and the Canes, uh, they won eight, but they lost four. So, significant. I mean, the main thing in this was the two yellow cards. So, uh, it was pretty hard to win a game with someone off the field before most of the time. Um, the second yellow resulted in a red, but it was only in the last 10 minutes uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, so. still managed to pull it off, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, so huge effort from them. Uh, fantasy stats, Lachlan Boshier, 65 points, fantasy man of the match, bagged himself a try, a couple of carries, a couple of line breaks, one tackle bus, seven lineouts taken. So he really was, I guess, the unsuspecting lineout weapon for them. Stole a lineout as well, won a turnover, probably got penalised for another few since they're really cracking down on that, but um, can't remember. Uh, ben Lamb and Cobus Van Vyke, the two wingers for the Hurricanes, 49 points each. Aaron Crude and Geordie Barrett, 48 points and Artie Sevilla and TJ Perinara with 43. Artie starting to look a little bit more lively, which was good. All right. Let's kick on to the main course, previewing Fantasy Super Rugby <clears throat> 2.0 Round 2. So in Round 2, we have buys to the Chiefs and the Brumbies. So I know in our league, a lot of fantasy managers are going to run into quite a few problems. Um, I suspect many others will as well. Um, who wants to kick us off in the first fixture for yeah. this one? Oh, well, like, uh, the, there's going to be hopefully some returning. Uh, Anuru Rangi with his knees in uh, Sarani from his hammy. And who knows at the moment about Angus Blythe um, with his concussion. Um, these are two sides that were sitting in the middle of that table for the Aussies uh, before this uh, coronavirus kicked off. But it'll be a, a ding-dong battle here. I reckon they're both pretty keen for it. The Reds are pumped after their last one. And the Rebels almost uh, almost toppled the, the Brumbies. Um, it's going to be played at Brookvale in Sydney's Northern Beaches. Um, so right around the corner from Kargi with 3,500 people allowed to attend. Surely they're not going to fill out 3,500 people <laughs> with the numbers that were viewing the, the games on the weekend. I don't, I don't know, actually. That's, that's kind of uh, Northern Beaches rugby heartland. And I think because it's like the only thing, only fixture of rugby that they'll get up there, maybe it will. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I bought, bought my ticket already, you know. The, I'm hoping that we see um, Pony Falmosa Ely versus tu, Daniela Tupo. Uh, they're both tight heads, but they're both massive boys in their scrum. That Rebel scrum was so good last week against the, the Brumbies. And so it's going to be really good to see these guys going head to head if he gets another crack. Um, Harry, but he didn't really do that much other than um, some good scrummaging. So we'd like to see him get his hand on the ball a little bit more. Um, yes, I know we're talking huge chunks, just mainly about props. But um, fantastic. We've also uh, is he going to do enough to hold that spot from JP Smith, who does do a fair bit more around the paddock. Um, the Rebels backline they need to sort out their, their shit recently. If if there's generally the shining light for the Rebels and they have such talent there, they've got so much talent even on the bench and guys that don't get a run. I mean, if they're not using Kellaway and Corabetti, two lethal attack weapons, then, I mean, this, you, you know, you're going to find yourself very hard-pressed to, to close out these matches. Um, Tate McDermott, uh, <laughs> I don't know who said this, but he's the, the golden snitch. Which one of you boys was that? I put that in there, mate. Isn't that the Harry Potter thing, the golden snitch, mate? 
No, man, I agree with you. I like it. I said, it's like he's covered in spiders. He's been covered in spiders, then lit on fire, mate. No one can touch him, and he's lightning quick. He is, he is awesome, and we all think he's probably going to be the, the Wallaby scrum half. He's just such a good player, and you've got to be awake when whenever he's got his hands on the ball. Um, Hegarty missed a few kicks, and Jock took over and capitalised and helped win the Reds that game. So do we see Jock take back over the, the kicking role now, or is he still there just as a bit of a cover if Hegarty is, is missing his kicks? Early on in the year, they were talking about Jock as a potential kicker and the main reason was he had a bit of a, a groin injury and stiffness which was holding him out but Hegarty's really sort of held that that kicking reins down so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Hegarty's generally um, pretty accurate as well right? Yeah he's, he's been pretty accurate but yeah. as I mean uh, Jock had two two important chances late in the game and took them both after Hegarty both was... Gimmies. Both gimmies it should be said. Doesn't matter, still needed to step up. Dalgunu, he was um, an absolute freak last week and, and is clearly keen to be playing footy. He wants to be staying in Australia. He's been offered contracts overseas and so he wants a Wallabies jersey. So it's going to be interesting. You've got two Fijians, him and Corabi, you see who's more keen for this jersey. But um, they're both playing similar styles, getting involved wherever they can, even off the back of Rux and Maul. So this one's going to be an interesting game, boys. How do we see it going? Oh, look, as long as, um, I think with Dow Guna, as long as he doesn't get himself a red card, you know, by doing something <laughs> yeah, yeah. stupid again, um, he'll be right. But no, nah, he was, he was, he was electric, I thought. He was just, Corey Betty couldn't seem to get himself involved for the Rebels, but Dow Guna just found a way. He just went to where the bull was, you know what I mean? Um, what, what I think is going to be really exciting, something that I really liked was, um, we talk about with the Springboks, the, uh, the bomb squad coming off the bench, you know, just the, the, having these huge guys come off the bench. The Rebels had uh, three massive, blokes come off the bench. They had Trevor Hosea, um, Esai Hangana and Rob Lioda. Now, I don't know if you've seen, if, you, if, you've, if you've noticed yet, but Trevor Hosea and Esai Hangana have like, they're now maybe 20, 22. But they have filled out and been put through some proper gym programs. They had these three enormous dudes come on and just start hammering away at everyone. So I would be terrified to have them coming on late in the game. Um, and if they get Izzy Nazarani back as well, the Rebels, Wow, it's going to be tough work in the forwards, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I mean, you, you saw uh, Josh Kemeny get a, a debut. It'd be good to see, a, um, you know, maybe maybe uh, Michael Wells plays six. And, and then, uh, yeah, as you said, uh, Nassaroni comes back into number eight. And I think that's going to be a better rounded back row for them as well. That's it. I think the Reds, I think the Reds are going to take it, though, for yeah, me. So I. I think, yeah, I think the, the Reds are going to edge this one here. I do too. And I think, look, whilst we were talking about the Rebels scrum, it was fantastic against the Brumbies last week. The Red scrum was fantastic against the Tars. I think the Red scrum will have them as well. So, um, but it's going to be a good game. And I just think it's hard not having a home base as well for the Rebels. Like, it's going to get harder and harder for them while they spend week after week on the road. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Definitely a fact. Excellent. All right. Well, the, the next game after that is going to be an absolute cracker. Two undefeated uh, Kiwi teams, the Crusaders and the Blues. Harry, do you want to um, preview this one for us? Absolutely. Of course I do. Obviously, the two form teams in Super Rugby, Aotearoa. Uh, Carl Tuianokwafe is the only potential returning player that we haven't already seen a lot of. Um, from his hamstring injury. I know he played club rugby in round three uh, during the Blues bye. Not sure uh, any details about that game. 
um, in terms of what his performance was like, but expected to actually be running and fit. And then obviously Georgie Bridge, who had a rest last week from the Crusaders back line, very likely to be available for selection again. And I say available for selection because <laughs> you can't guarantee any of these guys getting a spot because everyone is so good. Surely the only person we can guarantee is Will Jordan. <clears throat> you wish mate you wish Um, both forward packs have been really quite dominant in the competition especially through the middle of the park in the the Rucker Malls Um, so that that, the big question is obviously who's going to come out on top of that to me I think the Blues need to be dominant in the forward pack more than the Crusaders do I think the Blues really need to find a way to slow down the Crusaders quick ball at the moment because they're getting such quick ball out of Drummond last week and Bryn Hall uh, prior to that. And their backs are just far too electric when they do get that attacking front football. Um, so I think that will be a really big telling factor for them. So uh, speaking of Rucks and Malls as well, Blake Gibson, I, I know he missed a couple of weeks ago, but they've uh, long thought that he was a captain and vice captain of that club as well. What do you boys reckon? Is there any chance that he can come in and break up the uh, the form back row for the Blues, which is Yuani, Hoskins, Tutu, and Papali'i? Zero chance. It, 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 I, I, I'm leaning towards no, but I, I mean, Yuani, we haven't seen enough of for a long period of time. If they think Blake Gibson's a leadership role, Papali'i's stuck his hand up for a broader period of time. So I, I think you could see those two linking up with Tutu, mainly just so about I, Thank yeah, I talked about it at the start of the season. Um, Blake Gibson was co-captain last year. They dropped him from, from co-captaincy because they went, hold on, we can't have a, can't have a co-captain that we're not going to put on the field. You know what I mean? Like, Papa Lee's here and he's here to stay. Um, he's been incredible, Papa Lee. Um, yeah. uh, I think, I think Satutu has been so good. It's like overshadowed how good Papa Lee has been. But, um, and, and now Akira Ioane is making his tackles and playing well as well. So and he's fit. And he's fit. Absolutely. And I think you're bang on. I think apart from the forwards really needing to, you know, show some dominance and slow down that Crusaders ball, I think the telling point for this game is going to be um, the second half. I mean, the Highlanders, we said, for example, they played fantastic in that first half, but no one seems to be able to stay with the Crusaders to the full 80 minutes. And if, if anything, one of the biggest problems for the Blues over the last couple of years has been putting out an 80-minute performance. So... This is going to be... They're uh, definitely fitter than ever. They've got their uh, fittest player of all time on Bodie Barrett. So uh, (laughs) definitely definitely going to be fit enough for it, you would think. That's true. In the forward pack as well, the line-outs, I thought, originally looking at this game was going to be somewhere the Blues could attack, but the Crusaders (laughs) have actually only lost two of 28 line-outs in the last couple of games. So after their first game wobbles, they've really shored that up. So there's really not any opportunity there for them. Uh, the which is I guess a bit of a chink in the armor for the Blues kicking game because obviously they've been they've benefited a lot from a Terra Black's long kicking game and Bowden Barrett's uh, I guess short kicking game to an extent as well and having a strong line it has been a really key weapon for them so I think Crusaders attacking line out and defensive line out and then on the flip side of that Richie Moanga's kicking game as well is going to be a really challenging. Uh, hurdle for the Blues to get through that they've actually really enjoyed a, a big uh, a big advantage in the, their games previously this year that they've played against the other New Zealand opposition. Um, 
we talked about the backline from the Crusaders. What do you do with the embarrassment of riches? Uh, my gut feeling is David Havili limped off with that ankle injury. doesn't matter how minor it is. You just give him the week to get better. And then that allows you to bring George Bridge back into one of the wings. Sever Reese in there. Will Jordan at fullback. And Lester Fenger. And Uku goes back to the bench. That's, that's my gut feel. Yeah. Um, it, it, sound, it sounds tough bringing back the current All Blacks wingers uh, into your starting <laughs> team. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> And, uh, and the last thing for me is I, I think the Blues defence has been a lot improved, but they did concede three tries to both the Highlanders and the Hurricanes, whose attack is definitely not as strong as the Crusaders. So I think that's a little bit of a worry for me in this game. Um, the Crusaders have only scored 15, uh, 13, 20 and 25 points so far. So the Blues are going to have to score, I, I would say, significantly more points than that, 25 to 30 points to have a chance to win. And they're, they're going to have to do that on the back of an improved defensive effort as well and under, uh, you know, and uh, doing it in a way that they haven't won their game so far without that dominant set piece and kicking game. So it's going to be a big challenge for them. Hang on. Uh, so who are, we, who are we calling? Is anyone prepared to say the Blues? I'm going to back the uh, Crusaders to take this one. Nelson, are you going to be the man to, to say it? Okay, well, he says nothing. I'm going to say straight up Crusaders. Sorry. <laughs> Look, I, I want to be the man to say the Blues, and I don't think this is the week. Yeah, I, was, I called you because you picked it last time. You were the first one to call it out um, a week or two ago. But um... yeah, That's correct. I can't do it. Even with two Ioannis on the field, I just can't do it again against those Crusaders. Neither can I. Fantastic. All right. The third game of the week. Third game or fourth game? I've lost track of where we're third, up to. Mate. Third game. Very good. Uh, the Tars and the Force. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The Western Force back in Super Rugby. Um, it's going to be a big question of who the hell is in the Force um, this week. But... Um, We'll take our guess at who we think will be the starting 15 in just a second. So returning for the Tars this week, we could have Jake Gordon, Carmichael Hunt, Lalakai Fuketti and Tom Robertson. All now, are, you, are you sure they're all back? Because I no. know that they missed round one, but I don't know that they're definitely back. I was just about to say all missed round one with small injuries, but we're still not, we didn't get enough information on the um, depth of those. So I know for Gordon and Hunt were both hammies. Uh, Robertson, I think what Robertson was actually. Um, he was a back and Fakedi was a hammy as well. Okay, yeah. So no, I'm not. I'm not sure at all. But um, I think I think I remember the, the commentators saying Jake Gordon is very likely to be back. Um, but I don't. Um, I don't know on the others. I think if Carmichael Hunt is close to being fit, um, you'd probably play him, and that's. Not necessarily all his own fault, but Joey Walton in his debut, unfortunately, was a very unlucky us. He did not have a very good game. Uh, it just seemed like every ball was just not quite perfectly in front of him. He, he just put a few balls down, yeah. uh, gave away he, a few penalties. He definitely wasn't helped by passing, but he, he definitely he put a few balls down, as you said. He, he was a guy that in pre-season trials, he, he showed a lot of promise, a lot of go-forward but just didn't seem to have, have that ability to, to empower himself in this one on, that, on the weekend. For sure. What I did like and what I don't think will change, the back three. Those, that young back three, James Ram, Mark Nwinganitoase and Jack Maddox, they were fantastic. I know he's a winger, but you don't need to call him Nwinganitoase, mate. It's in his That's, name, mate. It's in his blood. It's in his name. It's, in his name. it's it not is. his name. <laughs> Um, no, you touched on it in the uh, review yeah, that Maddox, he just looks at home in the, the fullback jersey. That just looks like, and we've always known that's his preferred position and probably where he's best. 
but God, he looked good. And his ability to just slot in there at 10 um, speed, like to speed up the attack and just provide another option. He just looked yeah. fantastic there. Brilliant. Um, I really like James Ram. And I think one thing we didn't really see much of is he has an absolute weapon of a boot. So he can yeah. kick it 60, 65 metres on the fly as well. So he didn't get much of a chance to exhibit that, but um, that's going to be extremely useful. Some of the tars I feel have kind of lacked in recent years has been a few solid boots out back. Um, yeah. And particularly with uh, the, the Australian games on the weekend, the new 50-20 rules, the 22-50 rules and whatever, um, you saw a lot of times they were going for that. That can make a huge difference, those games. Very important. Um, all right. Will, was Will Harris's performance good enough to see to keep Jack Dempsey off um, on the bench? What do we think? Uh, I, I liked him. Um, I think I'd like to see more of him. It's a, it's probably a week that's a good week to to do it against the force. I agree. I I hope it is, but he was a, it was a little bit of a mixed bag from him, but there was plenty of positives. I agree. Very good. I don't think we can see Swinton drops after his performance. I mean, yes, he gave away. He didn't score that well in fantasy, but I just think what he was bringing to the team was fantastic. Just the, the hits and the energy, the presence. Um, you want to see more of that. Absolutely. But um, so otherwise, we don't think much will change for the Tars um, getting to the force. Uh, the force dominated the NRC last year. It was 41 to 3. Was that the grand final score? Because that's yeah. huge. And they, won, um, they won eight of nine throughout the season, only losing to New South Wales, which has a few of the guys, New South Wales country, a few of the guys in this Waratahs team. Absolutely. Um, in, now, in our draft last week, obviously the force had the bye, but um, one force player did manage to get picked up, and it's Kyle Godwin, a, um, a player we've all long liked. But anyway, let's pump through what we think the what we expect the force uh, first starting 15 to be. So in the forwards, I'll do the forwards, and why don't one of you take the backs? Uh, Angus Wagner, uh, start a prop. Andrew Reddy, probably over Heath Tessman, uh, old Heath Tessman, who's kind of just there as an old head. Kieran Longbottom or Tom Sherman at, uh, at tight head. John Bardul or Jeremy Thrush to take out one of the locking positions, kind of older, more experienced locks. Fergus Lee Warner, someone Nelson's touched on before, um, possibly a young, exciting lock. The back row, definitely Stander will be in there at eight. And we're thinking probably Henry Stowers and, and Gateka. Yep. yep. Um, for the backs, there is no doubt Captain Ian Pryor is going to be taking that nine jersey. We'd love to see John Lance come in at 10, but he's had very limited time with the squad. Nick Eust is another young player. I think he was at the Brumbies previously. He's quite good. I think he'll get that starting spot at number 10. Um, I think on the left wing, uh, Jonah Placid, I'm a big fan of Jonah Placid, but also Brad Lacey is a great attacking uh, player, so it'll be out of those two fighting for that spot. Kyle Godwin, he's got limited time, but he is Kyle Godwin, so it's out of him and, and Henry Tafu at 12. When we say limited time, I think part of that is that I know with John O'Lance, he's still in the 14 day quarantine until yeah, both maybe last week. Yeah, Lance so. and Godwin both were. Yeah, so it's yeah, been it hard, just, hard to train in quarantine. It is, but I mean, Henry Tafu is a good player, but we'll, I guess we'll, we'll see. Um, and then if Henry Tafu 
doesn't play 12 there, good chance we'll see him filling in at 13 with Marcel Bracchi or AJ Alatimu as the backup for that 13 jersey. Ryan Ralston will be on the right wing. He's an electric, quite exciting young player. It will be interesting to see how he goes at Super Rugby level, but he's another guy from Aussie under-20s who you should keep your eye on. Jack McGregor at fullback. Likes to get himself involved with ball in hand. Got a good kick on him. I think he's, he's a lock-in for that 15 jersey. And has a fantastic mullet. And he does have Majestic. a Jack Goodhue-esque mullet. He's a bit of a, he's a, like more of like a 10, 15 mould as well for those that don't really know him. I think he could be quite a good player for them in terms of fantasy. Yeah, I think so. Fantastic. Harry, are you trying to force someone to pick him up? Is that the, this, the is, uh, this is the, the thing that uh, everyone in Australia is sort of debating whether the, the force will beat anyone. And if they do beat someone, it's probably going to be the Tars. Can you guys see it happening? No, I can't without seeing any games have been played. But I know that they're definitely going to beat the uh, the salaries of the other Super Rugby teams. I can tell you that much. So, Harry, uh, I it's it's you know we really don't have any form line to get a good idea. But no, I would I would I would be surprised if they could jump to Super Rugby level and immediately take a win. I know Morgan Turunui said you hope that the level of Australian Super Rugby is enough above NRC that they will struggle to uh, to live up to that level, if, that jump. But, you know, I kind of also want to see them play really well. So, If, if we're not seeing the, the likes of, you know, John O'Lance, Carl Goodwin even get a start for them as well this week because of the limited time, the team's not as good as their NRC team. <laughs> they lost a lot of their top players, went to other provinces to actually get that, the Super Rugby gigs. So if they do beat the Tars here, it's, it's quite concerning. That I think we'll see a lot of those young Tars players going again. And they seem really, really hungry. And if they don't come out and, and sort of get interested for this game again, it'll be pretty disappointing. Yep, fair. All right, well, into the last game previewing for round two of Fantasy Super Rugby 2.0, the Hurricanes and the Highlanders. Uh, I think this is at home in the cake tin in Wellington. Um, Harry, did you want to take this one out or are we back on yeah. to Nelson? Yep. Yeah, so uh, Nehem Milnaskada was targeting this game on his revised date. So obviously, you know, it's been a long time coming for him. So I'm not too confident at the start of the week until I hear something in the paper saying that he's in the starting mm. side. But uh, hopefully we see him and they do need a right winger with Sam Gilbert out with an a confirmed ACL injury now. So he'll be done for the season. And uh, Joshuana as well was apparently touch and go leading up to round four uh, and, and then missed out because of his groin injury. So I'm kind of expecting that he goes to 10, push, pushes Mitch Hunt to 15. And then obviously that will mean that Michael Collins drops back to the bench. Um, I've been pretty, uh, Mitch Hunt's slowly growing on me. Uh, his running game, his turn of speed is definitely better than I than I had previously thought it was. But obviously, I, I think having Joshua is at 10 is the obvious, obvious option. And Mitch Hunt, a good second fly half at the back of the line, the line there and just slotting in when he's needed. So I think that'll hopefully work well for them. And it'll mean that the Highlanders have a lot more wit on their attack as well, which is, is going to be exciting to see. And, and hopefully it means that Jonah Narecki can get a lot more ball um, I, despite the stuff up at the end of the last and uh, midway through the last game, uh, he still really excites me and he does a lot of good things as well. So more ball in hand for him, the better, I think. Yep. Um, 
this is probably a much harder one to pick than uh, we would have thought a week ago because we all thought the Hurricanes were going to be the bottom team, but then they dispatched the Chiefs pretty comfortably. So with yeah. Jim Barrett back, I, I think that he's probably the key to the Hurricanes and Artie Sevilla's kind of lifting form as well. Um, trying to work out how you break down the Highlanders' defence, which is, in my opinion, really, really good. They scramble well. Their line D is good, as I've said in the past. I feel like the only forward who is an obvious chance to break through that line is Artie if he's in form. Otherwise, I feel like you need Geordie Barrett doing what he did last week, which is slotting in at first receiver and throwing the long ball over the top and trying to use the width on the game. So I, I think it will be more challenging this week for the Hurricanes to score points than what it was against the Chiefs. And, uh, and for that reason, I think Highlanders are probably the team to build in, beat in this one. Yeah, look, I'll have to back you on that. I think... Um... They've just been in a rich vein of form. Um, but also Shannon Frizzell and Mikaeli too just have been fantastic. Um, and if Artie's not on his absolute A game, yeah, the forwards are going to get the upper hand in the Highlanders, I think. I think, yeah. I think we're, we're predicting showers at this stage, which is nothing new for Wellington as well. So uh, I'm thinking back to that Blues-Highlanders games where it was absolutely pouring and I thought the Highlanders dealt with that really well with the yeah, exception sure. of Scott Gregory and I don't think that there's any risk <laughs> to get at 15. Yeah, no, I, I think the Highlanders will take this one out, but I think the Hurricanes will, will give up, uh, put up a good fight. And it should be said that uh, Josh Dixon probably gone. Jack Wheaton, I think, is probably the, uh, the most likely replacement. And from memory, I think he has a, a bit of an engine and makes a lot of tackles. Yep. He's good, and that should be see um, Selby Rickett uh, find his way onto the bench, um, yep. who also I think has been pretty good. So. Yeah, great. Yeah, for sure. Fantastic. All right. Well, that rounds out our main course and um, takes us into dessert. What you gonna, what you gonna do with that dessert? Do what, do what, So dessert, we, we're just going to kind of wing it a little bit, but... Um, a little OG League update. So um, I don't think we've we usually post a um, an OG League uh, a blog post with the results of our draft and whatnot. We have been a little overwhelmed this weekend. Um, Harry and Nelson have also been away at uh, was it it was Mum's birthday over the weekend. Was it a family holiday for that? Yeah, we were down the coast and a beautiful little spot with, I mean, it was, it's middle of winter, but it was nice and sunny and still did a few walks around the beach and uh, I walked Harry in tennis today. So it's pretty good. be nice um no very good uh, all right so um in our uh, in our draft um i guess look, we've already touched on uh, harry and i look like finding our usual places up the top and nelson um is you know <laughs> picking up where he left off um, in our uh, the look of our results this week our results to be finalized probably tonight no i think um, you can be pretty confident mate you, you had a pretty good week I did. That's what happens when you pick the best players, Nels, um, is you generally win fantasy fixtures. So, um, Apparently. Yeah. Take note. But anyway, what we wanted to talk about uh, all right, any surprising picks in our draft. So, Harry, I think um, of particular note in terms of early picks, um, Sinker made a couple of um, interesting picks in it. 12th in uh, the pick after that, Harry. What were those? Yeah, so NSYNC picking at 5th. Uh, first pick, pretty run-of-the-mill, Braden Enor, but he's gone 12th <laughs> overall. James O'Connor at fly half. Uh, I can confirm that James O'Connor was the sixth overall fly half of the competition <laughs> week. But he's of, of eight. Of eight, yes. 
so not a great pick from him there, but don't worry. He backed it up with Will Harris, the debutante player from, uh, <laughs> from the Waratahs, who's unlikely to get that many starts this year and uh, didn't get any points out of him. But don't worry, he decided then he would pick up a halfback of his fourth pick, Brad Weber. But he'd already missed out on Tate McDermott and TJ Perinara, so didn't get that much from him. So he's thought, oh, you know what, consolidate, get an outside back. Andrew Kellaway didn't touch the ball. So a weak tight five from him and, uh, and 280 points I think he's sitting on for preliminary. So about half of what you need for an attacking bonus point. So some of those were crazy picks. Some of those are a bit unlucky. Kellaway was has been brilliant. Um, James O'Connor has been pretty good, but very early to pull pull a gun on someone like James O'Connor for sure. That's it. Very good. Um, another another one of the uh, we were saying questionable picks. Look, I'll throw myself in there. The one pick mistake that I made uh, panics l- later on in the draft. I don't know. It was f- pretty far down, but um, I picked up Chase Tia Tia just. Uh, this was where I hadn't done enough research. I thought Geordie might still be out for a couple of weeks. And uh, Chase had been, I thought, the form player for the, the Hurricanes. In, uh, he had, he had been. Yeah, it was great having a bit of a chuckle when you picked him up just because we predicted him not playing. And in sync as well, he picked up uh, CFS Chris Fairway. So Tia, uh, who not only was already named to not be starting, but is very unlikely to be starting, I think, in the short term, especially after Dal Gunu played as well as he did. And just because it's going to make me look really good, why don't we just, uh, for, for our listeners, we'll just go through our top four picks and see um, who came out on top. So um, I'll kick us off then. Uh, I started off with um, Richie Moanga, then Cody Taylor, Artie Sevilla and Will Jordan were my top four picks. Harry, how'd you go? Damien McKenzie, Marino Machiele Tu'u, Harry Wilson and Will Harrison. And Nels, bring it home. I don't have this in front of me. <laughs> Are we saying our, our, the four first picks we made? I can, yeah, I can, yeah. I can tell you your top three. Hoskins, Satutu, Tate McDermott, Angus Bell and Caleb Clark. I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, they're all looking pretty good, to be honest. But you did pick up Caleb Clark on a buy, which just stung you. That's been, remember, Nelson's always about building. Remember, we talked about this at the start of the season this year. He likes to... Um, to first of all, he doesn't like picking first. That's just, you know... The first pick, getting who you want, that is a real drag. But then he likes to come in last uh, in the first week, just so when there's uh, you know free agents available for pickup, he has the pick of the litter. This is always the plan. Yeah, to be fair, uh, I thought my team was quite a quite a solid team. Uh, I had Hoskins to Tutu and Caleb that Clark. Been on. Flag for you immediately, Nelson. <laughs> yeah, I had Hoskins to Tutu and Caleb Clark on my bench. Thinking to, I'll take one of the form in forwards and backs, knowing that they've got a buy this week, so I know they're not going to have a buy in in the next few weeks, and they're both going to be definite starters. So I thought for for myself that was going to secure me for a, a good chunk of time, leaving myself the ability to cover it, and I did cover it, but apparently did not cover it well with Sean Wainui getting me five points, getting desperate pick up Michael Collins, and him getting me one point and. The worst mistake I quite clearly made was I backed Joey Walton, who got a total <laughs> of minus two. I think it was, um, look, it was certainly an interesting draft with having a lot less players. And also, it just felt like everyone was equally underprepared for this. Um, this, was, this was tough. It um, just, yeah, not a lot of lead time in with a lot of information there, really. Um, the, the, the whole thing of um, a huge chunk of your players potentially not playing the next week was was something that threw most people off um, because 
Although, I mean, you, you were looking at what you could do to have a full starting team this week. And I think I, I was one of maybe two teams, two players or something like that, two managers that had full teams this week. Not if you check my scores. But you really wanted to have a starting side, but a lot of people are going to be really found out, I think, come trade night on Thursday. Yeah, I was, look, just in um, in rounding it out this uh conversation on our draft i was explaining to uh to blake a fellow uh he has one podcast here the weatherman um wanted to know how the draft went down and i said look my strategy going into this one the only preparation i really did and really focused on was very unlike me no picking with the heart so akira Yawani didn't go for quite a while i let him go past me too many times um but all, all i did was i looked at the buys very closely <laughs> And so I noted that there's 10 teams playing in our in Fantasy Super Rugby 2.0 and four of them have two buys. So I didn't want to pick any players that had two buys because that's, that's two weeks out of seven weeks they're not playing. Uh, and I started from there and, um, and I have very few buy issues. So in the coming weeks, I'm hoping that really pays off for me. Yeah, I think that's the, the safest bet really at this point. The tricky thing is... A lot of players are going to be pushed in and out. Uh, you've already seen it in the, the Kiwi conference, and I think we're probably going to see something similar in Australian rugby where if, if the team's not named, you've you've got a 50-50% chance that your, your player's going to be starting because they've just been chopping and changing, in the, especially this week. That's it. And it was interesting. It was interesting to, you wanted to pick a lot more Australian players because uh, with the intern, Australian teams only playing Australian teams, um, you figure they might go better. Whereas the Kiwi teams only playing mm-hmm. Kiwi teams, it's tougher, but also some of these new laws in the Aussie competition, meaning it's oh, going to um, be a bit more of a free flowing game. I've just got one question. Lockie Swinton got zero points for me. What more do you have to do than dominate so many people in tackles, have a clear line break try assist, make seven of your own runs, play 80 minutes? Like, Stop getting penalised, really. That's probably the main right. one. Um, Ridiculous. But yeah, anyway, look, that's um, a bit of a, a rough uh, do-over of how our draft went down and some things we thought were interesting there. But um, why don't we round out the pod tonight with a little quick platform update? So um, I think Hugh's actually going to uh, write up a post, maybe detailing a little bit uh, more um, exactly what the plans are this week. So thank you very much for everyone for um, engaging with us, sending us through your questions, any bugs you've found, features you want to see most. Really um, appreciate it and we love um, the feedback. It's helping us figure out what exactly to do. And huge props to Hugh for um, uh, putting in, you know, Pretty much working the whole weekend last weekend, yeah, just um, slogging away and um, and getting back to you. If apart from at Draft Rugby, our Twitter account, we have at Draft Rugby Dev, um, and Hugh posts uh, Dev updates there. So as he fixes new things, little videos of what he's fixed and new features you can get after, um, and he he gets back to he's been getting back to everyone, which has been great. So um, thanks for getting after us there. But uh, look, the plan roughly at the moment um, is to. Uh, we're trying to, it's basically the battle of fixing a few bugs versus rolling out new features. So um, we're trying to fix any of the last kind of invitation and team list bugs. So players in your team list. The first thing we're going to do tonight is fix the player positions. So um, we get, we receive the stats and they have uh, set players in positions that, you know, whether they're unusually a lock or usually a back rower or usually a fly-off or whatever, 
but uh, and we normally normally override a few positions when they get them wrong. But this season, because of the very few amount of players that we have, we've said that players have to be listed as the position in which they they took the field this weekend. So particularly for all your Australian players, whatever position they played this weekend is the position they will be listed at in at, on draft rugby. Um, there's um there's a few different comps that are using our system that uh, didn't necessarily read or, or listen to everything we said. And they've got a few of their players playing out of position. James O'Connor playing uh, in outside backs. Will Harris playing in locks. The way that we're probably going to see this moving forward is that you will be able to bank your score from what your team was this week. It's the only way we can do it is you've made that mistake, but if you've made that mistake, you're your whole little, I suppose, eight managers probably have made that mistake. But you can't do the same thing moving forward. So you're going to have to drop Will Harris and not have him playing as a lock next week. He won't sit in our system as a lock next week. So moving forward, he's going to have to be in the back row. And it's not, to be honest, it's not that hard to change considering the huge no. turnover in players. Even if oh, you course. scored it yourself externally and then ended up putting it in a couple of weeks, no doubt you'll have to rotate those players within a couple of weeks anyway. So I, I don't think it'll be a massive hurdle, to be honest. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. True. And in terms of a uh, features point of view, the way we're going about it is we're trying to give you as much customization as possible so that, um, like, as in your ability to manually... Um, just add and remove your players. We're not trying to lock your teams, things like that, so that um, you, you can deal with it and bear with us as we get these features working, fix these bugs, um, and releasing more and more features on the platform. The most important thing is that, yeah, it's not, don't worry. I think some managers are concerned about, oh, week one's now done. Uh, how are we going to be able to go back and fix things? Look, the players, uh, all of the players will have uh, scores that are, locked in you'll be able to see all of their scores for every every week and you'll be able to go back and select the team in which you had that week or change the team in which you had that week in order to um get the correct fantasy scores as we release the table coming up um and and whatnot i think the first so in terms of first uh features we're doing right now we're fixing positions then we're going to um implement the lineup so your starting 15 versus your bench two bench players, which means that you'll you'll get a total team score of just your starting 15 players. And then we're going to implement the, the, the league table. So um, the results of your fixtures. So uh, I played Nabung this week. That's it. Getting a shout out to beating Nabung this week. It was a fantastic feeling. Um, and uh, I will get, you know, four league points for that, uh, that win. Yeah. And so having said that, like uh, the, the one thing that speaking to Hugh, our, our website engineer has been saying is that the easy way to get past this at the moment is we're just going to give you guys as much customization ability of the website as possible. So if you're having trouble with some of your players being out of position, that kind of thing, we want you to be able to use the website to replace some of the labor that you normally have to do, but we will have the ability, we would think this week for the commissioner just to enter the total scores that you guys have added up yourselves. So then that way it's not lost in the system. So it's not made any more difficult coming back to it in a week's time. You're not getting punished. You have your lineups that actually fit into the website. Yep. Exactly. But yeah, so um, we hope that update helped answer some questions, but uh, otherwise, as we said, keep them coming through. Um, we love, we love hearing from you and uh, your ideas and, um, and we'll keep working away at fixing them and um, getting after releasing new features. So 
um, we're excited and, um, and we're learning each week and, um, and we love growing the platform and growing our draft rugby community. So thank you again for bearing with us in another long uh, draft rugby episode. This is episode 20, season three, episode 23. And um, guys, if there's nothing else, I think we'll catch everyone again in the next one. I just want you to check, mate. Once you once you do hop off, you might want to turn around and check on uh, Chewy over there because he has not moved this entire pod. So that's true. Uh, yeah, we are also on YouTube. You can get after us. Uh, I have a fantastic new Zoom background each week. Uh, the other boys aren't <laughs> as creative as me, but um, look, I go through a lot of effort to um, get the important things right. So. Um, Yes, uh, check us out on YouTube as well and give us a subscribe. What do they say? Like, subscribe and uh, hit the bell. I don't know if we even have all three of those, but um, do it. Sounds good. Stay classy.